If your metro don't trust you, I'm gon' shut you Beautiful morning, you're the sun of my morning, babe Nothing on Watch out for me, I'm about to glow. <laughs> Dave, nostalgia. I mean, what a weekend, man. Dude. I don't even know really where to start with I thought it. we'd have a relatively light content this week. Sure. It's just Beauty and the Beast, but no. Mm-hmm. Drake record, and it's really great. From the clouds. It's 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 really good. And we're going to talk about Drake. Uh, we're going to talk about Beauty and the Beast. Oh, yeah. A couple of other... Odds and ends. Yeah, things that we think are important to mention. But first, we just wanted to say thank you to everybody that's been watching on YouTube, sharing YouTube. Please share with your friends. Subscribe. Give us that follow. Rate and review us on iTunes. Tweet the show. Uh... Tweet the show <laughs> at NostalgiaPod. That's right. I'm so used to playing the SoundCloud at this point. SoundCloud.com slash NostalgiaPod. Direct link to the YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Subscribe. So why don't we jump in some movie news. Not Beauty and the Beast movie news, though. Not yet. So, Dave, have you ever seen The Matrix? I have. That's pretty good. Once or twice, yeah. I think it's a cinematic classic. Yeah. For 99. It's kind of a big deal. What do you think about a reboot? Yeah, it definitely came out of, out of the blue. Out of thin air. Last mm-hmm. Tuesday, Hollywood Reporter. Exclusive Report that Warner Brothers is in the early stages of developing a relaunch of the Matrix series, basically continuing the franchise in some capacity. Mm-hmm. They've got a writer's room going. Details still scant as of now, but the idea is there and seems like they're going yeah. forward in some capacity. Pretty much all we know is Zach Penn is writing it. Correct? Yeah, Zach Penn, who has actually a pretty good uh, pretty good tracker. He's writing the treatment, so he's like writing the idea, so if it mm-hmm. looks good, they'll actually get a screenplay right commissioned but yeah he did this the stories for avengers and x2 and next year ready player one with steven spielberg so he's uh, definitely mm-hmm. a prolific writer as it is but really interesting i think is that they're looking at michael b jordan i mean who isn't but we cast him in white man can't jump I was gonna an- say. another uh, recently announced oh, uh, he, reboot he did he did rocky what six basically uh seven rocky yeah rocky seven right? creed made the other one. <laughs> and then maybe he'll be in white man can't jump i don't know if that'll happen be oh, awesome but if she'd be in the matrix too just every reboot i mean the idea of a young morpheus film not like tangentially connected to the original trilogy sounds cool but right when the report comes out wokowski siblings they're not involved as of this at this time Mm-hmm. And Zach Penn says that, hey, if we were to have Keanu Reeves' character Neo come back, we would just have Keanu come back. We wouldn't recast him. So it's not actually a reboot. I think the mm-hmm. messaging was a little off initially. Right. So it's just like a continuation. And an overwhelmingly negative response right away. What do you think? Dope or no? Well, we've never seen a, a classic film trilogy that goes back in time and starts from the beginning mm. uh, go poorly before. So it's probably going to go really well. Right. Well, I don't know. I, I didn't think we needed any more Matrix. I think it should have been left alone. But yeah, that's the thing. Matrix Reloaded and Matrix Revolutions aren't actually like good films. Like, Not really. Really, really. I mean, they're, 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 they're cool. Yeah. The mythology is kind of interesting, I guess, but they're far from the original, right? And also, how do you make that work with a young... Morpheus, but an older Keanu Reeves, are you going to be doing that CGI? Maybe they'll do just one. I don't know. I mean, I get like the idea. Just, oh, yeah, let's just make a big movie with a mm-hmm. rising huge star already. Right. And just throw it in the universe for the sake of the IP. I mean, I guess sure. I get it. I'm not as up in arms about it as other people, but, I mean, I'm not, again, not optimistic at the time, but... Right. 
And they're getting a big Raiders room together to get, get some talent. I mean, I'm sure they'll do their best. But then again, they're also behind the DC film, so it could easily right. be terrible. I like The Matrix. I just don't think I care enough about it to be passionate one way or the other right. about this project at this moment. Yeah. Once we get more details, if it even moves forward, then I'll probably care a little bit more. Right. But it's so early right now. It could not even So happen. we're not going to take the red or the blue pill just yet, <laughs> so stay tuned. Let us know what you think us at nostalgiapod. So Dave, well, why don't we move on to Beauty and the Beast? Because yeah. we, I really want to spend some time talking about Drake, but I also don't want this podcast to be like four hours long. Good point. So Beauty and the Beast, I went to go see it this weekend, and it was sold out every theater I tried to go to. Trying to be about that content, stay up on your films, and you were denied. Man, I mean, I, I think I get a little bit of a pass just because I've been trying to keep up on so many shows, but I did, I did <laughs> feel very bad that I wasn't going to be able to talk about this on the pod. But regardless of me giving money to Beauty and the Beast, I made a ton of money this oh, weekend. Oh yeah, one hundred seventy million stateside. I think it was more than... 174, I believe. 174. 350-ish global. It just crossed over into being the sixth best debut domestically of all time. And it was the number one pre-sale for a family movie on Fandango ever, beating Finding Dory. Yeah, it's the biggest ever opening for a PG title. Crazy. In last year, that was Finding Dory, and also has the overseas record for that. So that's a huge deal, but I actually thought what was even more interesting is that well, it's also the second biggest debut ever that's not from the summer, only behind uh, The Force Awakens, obviously a December release. Mm-hmm. But about the actual figures of who went and saw this, 40% of the audience was male, and nearly half of the audience were adults and teens. Which is nostalgia. And that's unheard of for a PG film. Yeah. So that that's great. And those numbers came right from Disney. Well, pretty much everybody I talked to that's around our age or even a little bit older so that they went, especially if they were female, they were like sitting there like with like their mouths <laughs> open, like looking <laughs> The tail is all this time. Yeah. yeah. Pumped. I mean, uh, I was going to go with my girlfriend and she was more disappointed than I was that we weren't going to see it. She was so set on seeing I didn't actually realize this, but May 2016, when the teaser trailer for Beauty and the Beast mm-hmm. was dropped... It got 91.8 million views in the first 24 hours, which is the record for a teaser trailer. That's more than Force Awakens got. I had no idea it was the most watched trailer ever. I mean, this story, I think, it just captures a point in time for the people that take in media the way that we do, you know, online, through YouTube. And it's also the kind of thing where not only does it it's a story that kids can go see and mm-hmm. still connect with, obviously. Yeah. But for people our age, they ride hard for it. But then they also connect with their parents around it because their parents probably brought them to see it when they were little. So there's a right. whole... I mean, Or got them the VHS, in my case. And, and probably wore it out <laughs> for a lot <laughs> right. of people. And it got a lot of positive reviews, too, which is... It did, yeah. ...driving some, some sales. The reviews were positive, but the cr- negative critiques were actually kind of consistent. It was kind of that... They said the film was either lifeless or didn't take any risks, and it was just kind of a by-the-numbers live-action version with a few updated mm. themes. So, and honestly, that's kind of what I wanted. Like, right, right. I think Disney is wise to play these live-action remakes safe because people are there for the nostalgia to revisit the story. Right. And I think, honestly, especially with Beauty and the Beast, something that's really tied to nostalgia for older millennials, they would probably take offense to that if we're a little wonky with you know, the storytelling or the filmmaking, whatever it was. And I would actually say that they did kind of take a risk in not casting leads with necessarily amazing singing talent, because right. that's really what makes a lot of uh, those old Disney movies so amazing, was they had Broadway-level talent singing yeah, these songs. absolutely. And the songs are amazing. I mean, Emma Watson, I haven't seen it, but I, I, on one of the trailers, there's a part where she sings in, in 
the original animated film, and she doesn't. She doesn't sing the part in that one. And and I know for some of the people I've talked to about, it, they said, oh well, I hope that her singing can live up to it. Because if not, it kind of takes away mm-hmm. from it. So I guess this is probably maybe a good point to jump in. What was your experience with the movie? Was it as good as you expected? Yeah, no, I thought it was really great. I thought Emma Watson, Emma Watson's singing was totally fine. Great. I, I'd say it was good. It wasn't. It wasn't spectacular singing, obviously. Mm-hmm. Similar to how Emma Stone in La La Land. I was gonna ask. Not spectacular singing, but it doesn't take away from the movie. Mm-hmm. A few reviews for La La Land, a few reviews for Beauty and the Beast were saying that the singing was an issue for them, but honestly, I think all things considered, it's not a huge deal. Right. And Be Our Guest and, you know, the opening song, Bell, mm-hmm. they're great. And I think there's no, like, disservice to the music. And Emma Watson, she's fine. I mean, is she the most vibrant Bell possible? No, but she's totally fine. And I think she's good at that. And she definitely looks the part. I guess one of the questions I had was how... Because there's so many moving parts with it, and obviously we saw the Jungle Book, but yeah. we've seen how animals move, and they, it's kind of mm-hmm. easier to sure. make the animatronic part of it or the CGI part of it. Yeah. How are how are the effects in terms of like getting a teacup to talk, getting a sure. clock to talk, yeah, yeah. things like that? That also kind of goes into some of the critiques where that visually it almost seems less lifelike than the animated one. Okay. Because I guess like Cogsworth and Lumiere and Mrs. Potts, they kind of they look almost too real. Okay. And I, I didn't see that problem. That's just a critique I saw being floated around wow. there. Hmm. I thought they were fine. Obviously, they got they got great voice talent for these oh. very small roles. You and McGregor, you'd have no idea it's him being Lumiere until right. he becomes a real person at the end. That's also, awesome. spoilers for Beauty and the Beast if you live under a rock. <laughs> but uh, again, you have to view you have to critique Beauty and the Beast in the right lens. What we always say, right? You mm-hmm. review a superhero movie, a superhero movie. A comedy is a comedy. Right. Oscar bait is Oscar bait. Mm-hmm. Disney live action film remakes. Need to have need their own lens. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually didn't realize this, but Emma Watson turned down the 2015 Cinderella role. Oh, because wow. she doesn't like Cinderella as a character. Belle, obviously, a very strong female character. Absolutely. I think they even make her stronger. And a few things I did like about this version was that there's some extra exposition. They fill out the backstory of Belle's mother that's not in the movie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, her dad, Maurice. And also some information about the Beast family. Yeah, and I, That's cool. And also there's a few extra scenes that kind of make the growing romance between Belle and the Beast more believable. Because mm-hmm. if you go back and watch the animated film, it is kind of abrupt. So I think... I, I actually did watch the animated film this past week. Right? I, I was YouTubing some scenes. That was one of the things I was kind of looking at. I was like, hmm, I don't know if this makes total sense. Right. But... Just uh, total Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah, and exactly. <laughs> but, I mean... It is what it is. So they, they actually flesh that out a little bit more, yes, gives them a little absolutely. more background, which is really important for yeah. movies, especially nowadays. That's a huge critique is oh, there's yeah. no backstory or this doesn't make sense. Right. Yeah. So that, that that's huge. Mm-hmm. What was it like to sit in, in a theater and watch a gay character in 2017? Uh, exclusively gay moments. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, that is the most overblown thing ever. LeFou has the smallest gay moment. It's not even that. He just dances with a man. Right, and, and puts his arms around Gaston once. Big yeah, deal. Yeah, and pretty much... He's mildly effeminate in his delivery the whole time. He's, it, he's still a doofy character. And even Nothing's watching, changed. Watching the animated film back, he's kind of just obsessed with Gaston anyway. Yeah. So it's not really that much of a stretch. <laughs> just another... But Josh Gatt as LeFou and Luke Evans as Gaston were good, I think. That's awesome. Was there any part that you came away being like, eh, they could have done that better, or this really didn't hit with me? Looking back on the original film, it's not a long movie. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it, it moves at a pretty brisk pace. Yep. And this movie added extra scenes where it could in a bunch of different areas. Um, there's an extra scene with Maurice and Gaston, which was cool. There's a few extra little numbers as well. 
So yeah, and, and there's also a few extra characters from the castle. Right. So I think it fleshed it out as good as, as it possibly could. Mm-hmm. Again, the critiques that it didn't take any risks don't make sense to me because things were changed and right. updated. And again, like given that the way the story is, I don't know what else you could have wanted to do. Well, I will definitely comment on it when I, I see it. I'll give a, a brief like two-minute perspective. Right. But I, I wanted to kind of ask you because I, I looked up, Disney has Dumbo. Lion King, which we've talked about, Little yep. Mermaid, and Mulan, which I think we actually also mentioned uh, Little Mermaid and Mulan when we mm-hmm. talked about Jungle Book last year. Right. Uh, what do you think about those being like the next upcoming live-action films that Disney's trying to produce? There's a great piece on Vulture about the Disney live-action remake machine that's mm-hmm. going on right now. And, you know, as we've talked about before, it was re-jump-started in 2010 with Alice in Wonderland. Billion-dollar movie. No one saw mm-hmm. that coming, right? Then you had your Oz the Great and Powerful... Maleficent, which is, you know, a continuation of a story. Right. And Mary Poppins Returns, which is coming out similar. Mm-hmm. That's just a sequel. But then Cinderella and The Jungle Book, two remakes from more golden era Disney, right? Right. From uh, the 50s or 60s, whenever those came out. But now we're, we're here. We're in the, the, the Disney renaissance, you know, mm-hmm. 89 to 99. Yep. That's Beauty and the Beast, obviously, the big one right here. Pocahontas. Uh, they're not doing that as of right now, but Aladdin, Guy right. Ritchie, mm-hmm. which I think is... And they actually just put out open casting call for that, which is very rare. Yeah, Especially say. for Disney. But you know what's great? It says these characters are Middle Eastern, so they're not going to whitewash Aladdin, which well, is great. <laughs> and that was one of the things I, said, I was thinking is I think the biggest challenge for them in this is probably Mulan. Mm-hmm. Because you think about like the recent backlash against something like The Great Wall. Oh, yeah. If you're not casting appropriately, especially when people already talk about how there's underrepresentation for minorities. Mm-hmm. And one of the things Disney has been great at is making princesses and characters from other nationalities, though, Maybe they sometimes do add white characteristics to these people. Sure, unfortunately. If, if they're able to cast that well, that can be a huge hit for them moving forward. Absolutely. Um, but it's also probably their biggest challenge because you're not going to have maybe a, a big-name talent. To, yeah, to it, it came out from uh, Nikki Caro, who's director Whale Rider. She's directing Mulan. There's not going to be any songs in it. Hmm. Mulan's not really a musical, but there aren't songs in it, right? So I guess it's right. not just... I'll make a man out of you, dude. I mean, apparently, Beauty and the Beast, there was initially talks of not having music, but then they Mm -hmm. reached out to Bill Condon, who directed it, because he had a a musical background, Dreamgirls and some other stuff. But also, similar to Maleficent, Cruella, a 101 Dalmatian spinoff with Emma Stone, is in development. And is she going to play Cruella? Uh, Yeah. I would never have ever thought of her as Tim Burton's Dumbo has Eva Green and Danny DeVito signed on. Will Smith asked for $20 million. They said no, so he turned it down, and that led him to that new show coming up on Netflix, uh, Bright, I think it's called. Gotcha, yeah. They, they're working on a Peter Pan. They're working on a Tinkerbell spinoff Tink with Reese Witherspoon. Mary Poppins Returns is filming right now. That comes out Christmas next year. That's the closest one. And then Aladdin's going to film in the summer. So, Mary so Pop- they're coming, and then Mulan, I assume, soon after. Mary and of Poppins course, will be when Lin-Manuel Miranda finally gets his EGOT. Yeah, let's hope. Um, <laughs> I'm actually surprised. I, th- I would have thought Emma Stone would have been cast for Little Mermaid. Red hair, pretty much already. There's not a whole lot of info on them doing Little Mermaid. That's the first Disney Renaissance yeah. uh, movie. That that seems like a tough one to do, because it's all underwater, right? It does, but at, at least the same on paper. time, I think that one might come across the best, because you think about how far technology has come, especially when with CGI. Sure. Jungle do, Book worked. Right, being able to do anything underwater has always been hard to shoot, but now that you can kind of create a world like Beauty and the Beast, like right. the, the, some of the images I saw from the previews, I think Little Mermaid would be beautiful. Right. Dumbo, I don't really care about. They say, they say it's going to focus more on the circus. Ringling Brothers. I mean, Dumbo's, Dumbo's again, one of their Golden Age films, and right. there's some really racist shit in that film. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'll be interested to see where, how they twist that. 
And of course, we're talking about Lion King. Favreau, Glover, mm-hmm. James Earl Jones. Yeah, that, that, that's going to be awesome. So, Can't wait for that. You know, there's actually this is actually perfect timing because we talked about, you know, mm-hmm. young middle millennials are adults now. They have that nostalgia. Perfect time for Disney to mine their Renaissance films from Absolutely. the 90s and just put them out. And I don't have any problem with this. I don't, this is not getting in the way of them making other movies. No, They're just, not. and again, it's not like, they're rebooting them. They're just making them live action. So I have no problem with this. Well, I, I'm, I'm excited to see it and uh, to see these other movies as they come out. I wanted to mention something that's coming out tonight mm-hmm. as we record on a Monday night. So this will be coming out. It'll be coming out the day of hopefully posting this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chappelle, uh, Dave Chappelle, been kind of gone, I guess, since, what, 2007, 2008? Yeah. And back recently, right? Yeah, Saturday he, Night Live. he did Saturday Night Live. He's done, he did 10 shows at Ray City Music Hall. So he's been really making his comeback recently, mm-hmm. and his first uh, special is being released on Netflix. So they have two of three specials that will be released this year, so Dave's been kind of working pretty hard in the last mm-hmm. year, so this is his first return to TV. be really exciting. Also, uh, you mentioned before the show, Legion got up for second season. It did. Not, first season's not even done yet, but yeah, FX knows what they have. You get Noah Hawley, you usually give him a second season. And Dan Stevens of Beauty and the Beast fame. Yes. Keep him. The Beast. There was also some other TV news, right? Yeah, Master of None from Aziz Ansari on Netflix. Dude, Fan- all about Aziz. Fantastic show is coming back in May. He also hosted SNL right around the same time Chappelle, right after the election, actually. Oh, yeah, that's right. He had a great monologue. He did have a great monologue. I mean, Aziz, his stand-up doesn't always hit with me, but Master None is a masterpiece. And uh, Yeah, fantastic show. Uh, hopefully the second season lives up to the first. Too um, much TV in April and May. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's we're going to be playing catch-up pretty much probably till the like, end of the summer. Right yeah. as uh, Mr. Robot and uh, Game of Thrones come back on. Yeah, so. That's right. Never ending. Yep. A lot of music dropped, though. Yeah. So why don't we start first, though, mentioning Barry uh, passed away. Rip. Original great, kind of uh, made rock what it is today. Very influential on the Rolling Stones and the mm-hmm. Beatles. Yeah. Can't, I, can't over- overstate that. Yeah, I mean, and the, just the influence that they had from Chuck Berry it pretty much means that he's like the godfather of rock and roll. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of good playlists on Spotify about him. They're, unfortunately, they're very good at like memoriam pay- playlists. Yeah, they are. They had a really good one for David Bowie. So you, you can find listen to those, but if you're going to listen to probably anyone, uh, start with Maybelline, just because that was his original first hit, and it kind of mm-hmm. embodies everything about Chuck Berry, you know? He has a lot of awesome songs. Yeah, I mean, he was just an awesome dude. Also, there's a really cool tweet about him reviewing punk bands that was in, like, some, Oh, that's funny. And, and he had some very funny thoughts and just mm-hmm. very old manny thoughts to it. So, so uh, if I see that tweet, I'll retweet it through the Facebook, or through the Twitter page. Through the but, face. Yeah, through the face. Uh, <laughs> it, I'm tired. We're recording this late. Why don't we jump into Spoon? Though I've been talking about this album coming out for you a while. You have been. Hot Thoughts came out last Friday, St. Patrick's Day. It was good. It, it was spoon. I feel like you're understating it. I'm not a spoonhead, but I've I've seen the praise. So it it it, it was really good, and I wouldn't say great. Spoon. It's it's funny if you go on Pitchfork and you look at all of Spoon's ratings. I think their lowest is a seven, and their highest is an eight point five. The lowest is seven, and they have nine albums, so they all fall yeah. in between this range. And Spoon is basically always the same thing it's gonna have like a punchy hook like the drums are gonna be really uh, snappy there's gonna be some piano in there maybe some horns in some of the mm-hmm. songs they've re- just recently started playing with like electronic stuff and that's kind of where this album falls is inside out which is off their last one the last album who wants your soul was kind of premonition to this where they started playing with some really electronic almost kind of like dreamy type uh, mm-hmm. elements to their music and they try to do a lot of that here, and some of it hits, some of it doesn't. Do you, do you agree with the notion that they're the most consistent 
or best rock band in the last 15 plus years, considering their huge album output and right. high quality level. They haven't had a bad record in their, what, seven? Maybe? Right. But best is hard. Uh, consistent, I would say, probably, because every Spoon album is going to give you at least three songs that you're going to look back and be mm-hmm. like, oh, that was a really fun song, or that's a song that I'll listen to again or put on a playlist. Right. So they're not, they don't bend the genre, push it forward as much as they kind of just maintain what's good. They, they never try to be that. Good though. for them, I guess. Yeah, they. I mean, if, when you think about a Spoon, I think the songs that probably come to people's minds are like The Underdog or off their last album. Like Knock Knock is a great example because it's just mm-hmm. like very Spoon. It's like their guitar isn't going to blow you away. They're going to bring a lot of rock elements into it and sometimes they're going to jam and it's going to be awesome. Right. But most of the time, it's just going to be what you get. It's almost like it's almost like cheese pizza. You know, it's not going to it's not going to be anything that's going to blow you away, but it's always going to be good and you're probably going to enjoy it. Interesting. Interesting analogy. I really like Spoon. I'll say, is there any other, so there's no other pizza in, in, in the world of rock? I mean, rock is dead, so I guess that makes sense. But... <laughs> no, there, there is other pizza in the world of rock, but a lot of it now... So Foo Fighters have pineapple pizza? I would probably say Foo Fighters are probably the most influential... Well, I don't know about influential, but probably the best rock band over the last interesting 15 years. Also, they play on an awesome live show. What about which... the Jam of the Pearls? From the Pearls? Pearl Jam is hard. I, I haven't been a big fan of them until recently I've started to get more into them, so I wouldn't huh. say I'm even a big fan now. And I don't... I don't think there's anyone else to even consider. They, they've kind of... Right. But they've kind of gone into like a very specific... They, they don't really put out albums that gain huge attention like I, I people obviously talk about them and they get excited for Pearl Jam albums I mean yeah I feel like they get as much attention as anyone in rock right but no one gets well, attention I, I think Radiohead gets in rock circles they get the most they get a ton of attention yeah do they not it's hard to, who else is even in that tier I think Red Hot Chili Peppers get a lot of attention yeah but they have they not been on like a three album decline oh they definitely have been. more than that ten year decline but uh, I think that they get a lot of attention especially for like mainstream people. sure well, um, well yeah that's the thing with rock I feel like is all the big bands that get the attention get the attention because they started in the early 90s or earlier, right? They just have these huge fan bases, these, all this longevity. Yeah, Foo That's why they get the attention by anything else. Weezer's another example. Yeah, Foo Fighters, their first album was 98 or 99, so I guess, but they came out of Nirvana with Dave Grohl. Right. I'm trying to think who else. Uh, yeah, Pearl Jam, I mean, they were mid-90s. They, they, they might have even been late 80s. You're definitely right. Most of the biggest bands that in rock now come from the 90s and probably even the 80s. Mm-hmm. But to kind of bring this back to Spoon with this, I, I think... I'm what, trying to feel like how Spoon plays in there because you don't... It, it's interesting to like... They're not, I don't want to say they're not as mainstream. They're obviously they're, mainstream. They're, no. They're nice with attention. They're more indie rock, I would say, yeah. um, than anything. I, I don't I don't agree with the notion that they're the most influential or the best of the last mm-hmm. 15, 20 years. But if you want to like compare Spoon to a baseball player, which I'm sure a lot of our listeners are huge baseball fans, so this mm-hmm. will be riveting for them. It's almost like, I was going to say Mike Trout, but I guess he's like the best one, but he's just consistent. Like You know he's going to get probably like 20 to 30 home runs, steal like 15 to 25 bases. And so really consistent be like, at being really good? Yeah, and they, they do put out really good albums. That's what I'm saying. Like, Pitchfork, for as many problems as there are with their grading <laughs> scale, to give them consistently a 7 to an 8.5 is really sure. good. But they're just not going to have any of those albums where you're going to look back and be like, wow, that album is probably, like, number one on my best list. So it's probably going to be, like, 8, 9, 10, like, end of your list. Hmm. So just a couple of songs on this that I thought would be really good for people to check out, and I'll add one or two of them to our now, uh, yeah, Nostalgia Best Of playlist through my Spotify account. Um, linked at SoundCloud.com slash NostalgiaPod. Just go follow that there. Yeah, and share there's it. good music this year. A lot of it so already. far. And we got to talk about which Drake songs we're going to put on there. Yeah. There's like 
probably like five or six weeks. There's a bunch. Yeah, yeah, um, we, had, we had to trim it. Yeah. So do I have to talk you into it? Great song. Hot Thoughts, the title track. Also, I thought Can I Sit Next to You was like yes. perfect spoon. I mean, I sit next to you every week, Dave, so I appreciate <laughs> you saying that. Also, First Caress, really good one. Nice. So check out the Spoon album. Let me know what you think at Sheen World Peace. And tweet at Dave, at Martin Swagger, about how bad Views was but how good More Life is, because Dave mm. was a huge Views fan. Not, if, not, not if you go back and listen to our, our previous discussion on Views... Episode 11, 10 months ago. You will hear me make no terrible analogies to Drake bullying people and making not, not looking like a fool now. And you will hear Dave looking like a total fool, saying that Views may be the best album of all time. Here at SoundCloud.com slash NostalgiaPod, we follow the Kim Kardashian method of receipts. Like, I really would. Absolute fool. <laughs> Pat Sheehan, you are one. Yeah, I, More I life, I fire am. emoji. More life is fire emoji. To go back to that conversation, I think the reason, the context of that, as I was saying, Drake is not that good. You were Something taking some life. shots at Drake's body of work. I still stand Because by you it. didn't like views. I still stand two by different, Two totally different discussions. Views is trash. I think Drake is still a little bit overrated, but this album is really good. Album playlist mixtape is really good. Yeah, so let's start with that. Do you care at all that it's called a playlist? I actually think that's a really interesting right. direction. You know, Kanye, when he made Life of Pablo a living piece of art that was yes. constantly shifting. Kind Same of, Pablo. Yeah. Don't sleep on that song. <laughs> he kind of laid, laid some groundwork for this type of thing. And I, I have to assume him and Drake were probably talking about something like this beforehand. It's like video games in the day one patch. It's just never over. <laughs> I actually... So, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on it? Because I think it's a really... A cool idea to put out right. like a so playlist. as i've said before the album in 2017 mm-hmm. means less than the album ever has before mm-hmm. chance the rapper and the chain smokers don't have albums yet that means a lot now so <laughs> whatever drake wants to call this project it's fine with me commercial mixtape album normal mixtape ep i mean ep actually is as a link definition that's fine yeah and i think now what we call album is something that the artist puts a lot of tender care into it. It's supposed to flow, have a cohesiveness to it. Yeah. That's a collection of songs, not just a bare minimum amount of time put into the project, mm-hmm. but there's actually thought behind it. And I guess more life, which I think is very cohesive, but, you know, it's just supposed to kind of just flow from point A to point Z. It's interesting, yeah. Versus yeah. tell a grand story. Well, I mean, So I'm fine with it being called whatever he wants to call it. Pretty much Drake's story every time is... I'm sad, I've been hurt, I'm lonely, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to deal with it. That's pretty much his concept. That's 30-year-old Drake. Yeah. Which is okay, especially because where on views it came across as like cold, kind of inaccessible, not very fun. He right. goes in a different direction with this. Yes. He, he even says, I believe it's in the, I don't remember which song it was, but he says, like, I used to be one way, now I'm trying to go a different way, or something right. along those lines. I don't even remember the lyric. And his that uh, voicemail from that lady... That was his mom. I think it was his mom, but I wasn't sure. Your negativity, Drizzy. Yeah. (laughs) That's not what she said. But she was something about him being negative or something. Yeah, and how he's never going to accomplish his goals if he does that. So he's pretty much embracing that. Yeah, I can be that way, but it should be different. You're right. The subject matter is not that far off from what Views was, but it comes across so much better because it's not super self-serious. It's not Mm -hmm. dreary. It's so funny because... I thought Drake was kind of getting away from us on Views, but it's clear that now he's still a smart ass dude mm-hmm. he knows 
what he's doing in more life brings it back he brings everyone back i think actually it's interesting because you said it, it flows really well and it does except for one one piece which is when it goes from no long talk to passion fruit is like the most jarring difference because no long well, track talk, two to track three yeah right at the beginning yeah. no, no long talk is a pretty badass rap song grime I mean, song that, with gigs yeah and then it goes right into passion fruit which is Literally, like it sounds, it kind of t- like sounds like a passion fruit. Like it's passion so, fruit's getting hella love. And it's it's smooth awesome. ass song. It is, and also was, probably Drake's softest song. Yeah, but who, but cares? who cares? Like exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and no one ever. I mean, Drake comes can come across as hard for sure. But I I never yeah. thought Drake was a shout hard out, dude. Shout out, shout out, Meek Mill. His name is Aubrey. As a gangster rapper, <laughs> how it feels when Drake beats you. So yeah, but the, other than that, I th- I think the interludes do a really good job actually of changing the tone, mm-hmm. and, it, and it does shift I think about like two or three times. Well, Sampha has a solo joint. Sampha that four four two two forty four twenty two, however you say like that, yeah. is Skepta. awesome. It's really good. But also Skepta has an interlude as well. Yeah, Skepta's interlude is awesome. The, the um, Drake Georgia too. Right. Yeah, and he Drake has gigs, two songs with gigs, and he has the song with Skepta. Really interesting to see him showing his affinity for. Grime music, which is English rap from England. It's a very it's a specific, specific subgenre. Type of English rap, yeah, yeah. It uses electronic beats and it has like a very specific beat pattern to it. Yeah, Stormzy released a, a notable grime record. Uh, Skeptics are really famous. Skeptics probably the most prolific grime. Yeah. I'll see him at Governor's Ball. I'm excited for that. Are you excited for it? Yeah. Grime is okay. No, Skepta makes good records, though. He, he does. Uh, he has, like, one or two songs I think I know that are pretty good. It's just cool, though, that Drake's showing love, because he's not biting the style. He's not even really being a grime rapper on the songs. Like, you know, people say, like, he j- goes from flow to flow, or goes with what's hot, and, you know, some of that is true, but I think, like, he said in interviews before, uh, he recently interviewed with mm-hmm. DJ Semtex for his interview in over, you know, multiple years. He was saying how he just really likes... Drake's a dork. He just sits on his computer... And there'll be hours of the night scouring YouTube and finding, you know, trends and stuff. And mm-hmm. obviously grime is much more than just a trend. Right. But he likes it. He shows love. He reaches out. Mm-hmm. And he gives these people shine. Would you Especially call... a guy like Giggs, who is not nearly as mainstream as Skepta. I think it's it's a nice, nice thing to do. Would you call Drake a grime artist now? No, not at all. How would how would you how <laughs> not would even you close. explain? He has a song you... with he he has a song with a, two a grime artist twice. If someone's never listened to Drake, how would you describe him, him as an artist? He's very very diverse. Again, like in in hip hop when he switches up his flows or mm-hmm. does a song with a grime rapper, it just shows how diverse he is. So I'm, I'm not saying he's not becoming a grime rapper. There's only he doesn't do that in any other songs on the record. Right. It's not like he's would you trying to change himself. It's just the way it is. Would you categorize him as a rapper? Yeah, absolutely. Would you categorize him as an R&B artist? Yeah. As a dancehall artist? Not a dancehall artist. No. Oh, that. that no. He he's, he would categorize himself as a dancehall. No, I don't think he would. I, he he would he know. would say he makes pop music. It happens to be dancehall music. Would, I, I don't think he would call himself a dancehall. I don't think he would characterize himself as a rap artist though. No, he would. He said recently in an interview that he... With that, DJ Semtex. Yeah, when yeah. he said that they only categorize me as that because they don't know how to. Cause right. He said because no, I, no. I rapped in the past and then maybe because... Did I'm you listen rap. to the, the other sentences around that? It was talking about one dance and why it didn't get nominated because they don't know how to give him a Grammy nomination except in the rap category. When he said one dance, clearly not a rap song. But they won't give me any Grammy love because it wasn't a rap song. But, but that's da- what he was talking about. But dancehall is so so heavy, like it's such a heavy influence on this this record. I would say at least a sure. third, maybe even more of the song. Again, I, I don't think his his delivery or his stylings are actually that dancehall. It's just kind of his beat selection and kind of the mood. But to say, I mean, to say he's not a 
he, he doesn't consider himself a rapper anymore. Listen to Free Smoke, the first song. Can't have everything. There's tons of great raps on this. The song with Gig. Which song? No, no Long Talk? Uh, yeah. Portland, Sacrifices. There's a lot of good raps from Drake on this. Yeah, I, I think he's... He can he's he's very diverse. Bit bars, for yeah. sure. What did you think of Glow? It's fine. Yeah, pretty Watch much out it. for me about to Glow. Again, it seems like Ye recently recorded that, I would imagine. Yeah. I'd wager. It's, no, it's okay. It's like the most... It'll get catchy. Yeah, definitely. But it's it's one of those, like... I'll think of it the way I think of Waves on Life of I Pablo. I was just about to say. It, like, it's, it's catchy, waves. but I don't, like, love the record. Right. It, and it's funny, too, because when I was, I was listening to, like, basically the the content of what they're rapping about, yeah. it's, like, epitome Kanye, <laughs> epitome Drake. Like, but, what, Kanye's like, I came from the bottom, and now I'm here, and I'm fucking amazing. And then Drake's like, I'm very unsure about where I am in life. It does and, make me smile, though, <laughs> when I just think of whatever Ye's rapping about, and then Drake's just... Watch out for me, <laughs> I'm about to glow. Oh, all right, yeah, I, okay, I get down with that. Um, <laughs> so I guess, what, why don't we, uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you about this, because there's a lot to really go through it, but yeah. what do you think is the best or your favorite feature? I mean, you don't have to pick one. Sure, you know, pick a, a there's a fair amount of features, Yeah, and and, and they're good, right? So. I mean, I, the only a few I would say are bad. Uh, Party Next Door, bad. PND is on Drake Records because he's on OVO. And he's been a very big disappointment mm-hmm. these past few years. And that has not changed with more life. I thought Griggs on KMT was kind of corny, too. She say, I'm bad news, like, da na 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 Yeah, that, that is one of the, the, probably one of the more corny lines. I think Thug is absolutely fantastic on his uh, two sacrifices? songs. Sacrifices? Sacrifices and Ice Melts. He's also very intelligible, like, you can understand him. He's not just, he's not at his mumble rap bottoms. He's, I think it's really solid. Yeah, when I, I was listening to it as I was driving, and when I got a chance to look, I was like, oh, that was Young Thug. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. I did not know it was him. I, I didn't recognize his voice, actually. Right. I was like, oh. It's, it's kind of similar to how he was on uh, Jeffrey. So. Also, I, changing. Ice Melts. That People are sleeping on that song, but that's a really good yeah, song. Yeah, second to last song on the record. Is it too long? Sure. Yeah. It's an hour 20, but it's also a playlist. So right. It's just... Let it happen. <laughs> Sampha doing forty four twenty two was awesome. Yep. I really thought Georgia was great in her interlude into yes. together. I think Georgia is probably the one who will get the biggest, the bump biggest like bump from this because gotcha. she's the least well known of anyone on here. And like gigs and Skepta being on a, a Drake record puts people on the grind, but it's still not a broad appeal. Right. as a genre so that's not going to make them stars or anything exactly and it's interesting i also thought well obviously quavo was good but i thought travis scott was pretty good on portland too portland is is just a banger yeah quavo is very very quickly becoming excellent on the hook good drank two chain song it's on our spotify playlist the original song quavo does that hook then the version we have in the playlist is the trap choir doing quavo's hook right but yeah he does it again on portland uh, michael jordan with the tennis shoes <laughs> yeah michael Phelps with the swim moves undertaker with the tattoos etc yeah and travis comes in i think it's a great song drake starts it off good quavo comes in for the chorus right and then and then you just hear you hear some auto tunes mm-hmm. you know travis scott's coming and he delivers and then right after that sacrifices with two chains in the first thug verse and two chains also on a bit of a hot streak leading up to his what, white girls this. like trap music i believe is his upcoming album <laughs> all right i mean good for <laughs> shout him. out mr chains <laughs> wait is quavo's name quavius marshall quavius yeah well i didn't know that uh, when he had, like <laughs> how do i say it he's like wait quavo what, what, what's your real name and he's like quavo <laughs> it's just short for his real name that's awesome i think galchester is also a banger great bars there and blem blem is not gonna go away Blem is Blem's gonna be hot. That'll be catchy. on the radio. Also, I'm not even sure I know what Blem means. No. I was trying to figure he out from the context Blem. of the song, and I was like, oh, so he's it's a new word. 
Yeah, I, I don't know. So it's, I'm sure it probably means something. It's with, not phlegm. No. Did any? This might be a weird question. Did any beats catch you specifically? Like not not necessarily the song, but the beat. Uh, that's a good one. I think I think Gulchester's got a really tough beat. But overall, I think it's more about the the flow, the vibe. Mm-hmm. He's vibe to this, whether it's something like Passion Fruit, yeah, or absolutely. Teenage Fever, or something with you know m- m- you know stronger verses in it. But it's more about the vibe than I think any one beat. I would agree with that, especially that beginning i think from like song three until blem like three like three through seven yep. it goes passion fruit georgia interlude get it together which also the way that he introduces passion fruit to georgia interlude to get it together actually sounds like you're in a dance hall or a club sure like he has that part where he's like hold on hold on i gotta yeah. roll the beat back and then yeah that's from, awesome <laughs> yeah the, and then the georgia interlude it sounds like you're actually listening to the radio when he goes into get it together because right. the way he's like talking over it and then it just goes into it and it gets louder so perfect. And then right after that, Madiba rhythm, <laughs> same thing. Yeah, and then Blam, obviously, we, we were just talking about. Also, Lionel Richie is in that is featured in that song. Yeah, I was just just reading that. That's, I, that's interesting. I'll have to li- listen back to hear him on that. I, I really thought one of the people that might get a bump from this was Murder Beats, because he produced uh, not only No Long Talk, which I thought... I thought that beat was pretty fire, mm-hmm. but he was also on Portland, and obviously Portland, we already said, was oh, yeah. absolutely amazing. Banger. So as a producer, he might be getting a, a bump sure. moving forward. 40 was great on this, too. You you can tell 40. Yeah. 40 has been had a part in every Drake record. Mm-hmm. He's Drake's, Drake's best he's friend. He's Drake's guy. But yeah, 40 has an acute ear for mm-hmm. making music flow. Right. And even with views, he had to make the, mood, the moodiness flow, and mm-hmm. it's you know, doesn't make it interesting, but it still right. it still was you know put together, and I think he really shines putting more life together. Also, can you spot the Kanye song, the the Kanye produced song when he throws this like a random sample at the end? Sure. A, a random Earth, Wind, <laughs> yeah. and Fire sample. Yeah. Out of nowhere? This, the song is over. Yeah. Exactly. Except no, it isn't. <laughs> nope. Just gonna throw that at the end. I'm I'm looking at the liner notes here. Background vocal on Passion Fruit, Zoe Kravitz. Ah, yeah, of Big Little Lies fame. Yeah, well, she's she's that band. What's it called? I don't know. She performed at uh, Meadows. Zoe Kravitz. Uh, speaking of the Meadows, actually, added a third day coming back in mid-September this year. September. And they they released some gifts as uh, hints, and one was a Mr. Robot gift, which people are saying might be Joey Badass. And oh shit! And they also yeah. New York. They also did a T-shirt uh, where that's like flipping around, and people are saying that's called Migos. Fuck so yeah. Dave will be back in the middle <laughs> in September. Check him out there. Yeah, I decided I'm not going to Rolling Loud in Florida. So. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I haven't picked a festival yet. It's too expensive. I just I can't go fly to Florida, buy a festival ticket, and live stay there for a few days and feed myself for under like nine hundred dollars. Not until we start getting that podcast money. If so you want me to cover sure. Rolling Loud, as <laughs> as for press, yeah. hit me up. If you want to send us on vacations, share us with all your friends. What else do you want to talk about with this album? So, again, Pat, not the biggest Drake head, mm-hmm. as we've established the yeah, past year or so. Playlist, not even a week old, so, you know, it's, <laughs> like it's, three days old it's right tentative now. to rank anything. Right. But how do you think of this compared to his other records? Again, it's a tentative discussion. Yeah, it's hard. Even Views is only a year old, but well, I think. Well, what do people say is his best one? Take Care? Take Care is yeah. his magnum opus, yeah. And then his... his the first one was uh, Thank, Thank Me, Me Later. Yeah, Thank Me Later. Uh, Before that was So Far Gone, the uh, mixtape into an IP. That's where uh, Best I Ever Had and I'm Going In, Successful. Around. And a lot of people also put, if you're reading this, it's too late, pretty high up. Well, yeah, I think projects. Take Care, pretty universal number one, right? After, yeah. From two on, it, it's kind of people can talk. There. You know, Some people like Nothing Was the Same, some people like If You're Reading This. I mean, this is probably my favorite Drake 
projects, but mm-hmm. I, I don't, doesn't actually mean it's his best. Take care. Yeah, sure. yeah, two different things, sure. Yeah, take care is probably his best work, but this is just a really fun listen. And yeah. with, it, music. with it being a playlist, this is actually something I was thinking about. If you had to trim it down to like 10, 11 songs, you could do that and make a pretty fun record that mm-hmm. probably, if you put it up against other Drake projects, could be the best one. I think there's a lot of fat in this. We sure. talked about like the Party Next Door song. I do think KMT's kind of not that great and probably could be taken out if he chose the back yeah yeah so you could probably cut out a couple of these songs but overall this is probably the most fun i've had listening to a drake album ever what about you dave where would you rank you since you are a huge drake stan like probably the biggest drake stan i know (laughs) i don't know i don't know if that's true i've crap at this point i've only seen drake once 2012 club paradise tour where was that what was that that was at spac search and performing arts center it seems like a weird venue for drake listen to his lineup though two chains french montana Meek Mill, J. Cole, Drake. Three of them went in one direction, three went in a different direction. Two of them hate each other yeah. now. <laughs> but fire lineup, right? But yeah, um, number two is still a hard decision for me. I actually lean towards if you're reading this over nothing was the same. Hmm. It's close. I'm not as high on what time to be alive as other people, so this is obviously above them. This, I think, has potential to be above nothing was the same for me. Probably will Probably will be. Because that's another album that has a little, little fat. But yeah. Definitely top tier. It's going to be interesting. It's different. You know, it's different than if you're reading this. If you're reading this, he was hyper aggressive. Mm -hmm. A lot of bangers. And nothing was the same. Was kind of like an extenuation of Take Care, but also his first delving into some of the more moody, self-absorbed stuff that we saw, unfortunately, too much of on views. Mm -hmm. So it's it's in the grouping with if you're reading this and nothing was the same for me at the moment. We'll see how it ages again. I was going to say, it's going to be interesting because it's definitely going to capture a song of the summer, I think, with Passion Fruit, unless there's some... Or Blem. Yeah, or I think Blem has more potential on radio. I I just see Passion Fruit being like a song you're like on the beach with your friends at and you just like put down like the speaker you bring. It just, it feels like summer, honestly. But I think it's definitely going to be something that's going to last at least through the summer. And Portland will be a huge club record, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. It'll also be interesting because I think some of the songs... Get It Together, Mediva Rhythm, and, and Blem are going to be songs that will just be played by DJs, not even really mixed that much because they're already kind of mixed and... Almost like transition club. songs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. On your set, yeah. But it, it's going to... I think the rap, the actual rap songs from this might be the things that suffer the most because I don't, I think they're not ne- necessarily as memorable other mm. than maybe Portland. They're not um, as unique. Right. As the other stuff, yeah. So I think that will kind of take away from it and it'll right. get kind of lost. Although there are some really good raps in there. Even Free Smoke comes out super hard. Yeah, I think it's a great intro. Absolutely. I, I think the best Drake intro is Tuscan Leather on Nothing Was the Same, partially because right. it's incredible bars. So, again, seeing how the the rap rap songs actually age will be a big tell, I think. Also, shout out J-Lo. She, yeah, she changed her number on him. Yeah, and uh, they also sampled her song, If You Had My Love. Uh, Which I didn't even YouTube. notice, but that's awesome. I, I know, I was super pumped when I heard it. I was like, J-Lo, like driving my car. It was, it was exciting. There was a, a person driving next to me that like saw me yelling, and they like, were like, giving me a <laughs> Driving up the, the Taconic State Parkway, so... Shout out to the Taconic. Did not get pulled over. There's a lot of cops there. <laughs> Shout out to the Taconic. I used Taconic. <laughs> Pat Sheen with the driving moves. Yeah. Just like wrapping up, I do look like a total fool. But good for Drake. I'm, so glad. I'm, I'm glad he made me look like a fool. Check out SoundCloud.com slash NostalgiaPod. Episode 11, 10 months ago. If you want to hear our discussion of views, Pat had some, some fire takes. Yeah, some very fire takes. <laughs> Anyways. Let us know what you think of Beauty and the Beast, too. Absolutely. Pat will let you know once he actually sees it. When he's Probably like, like two weeks. Yeah. Oh, you don't wait till you see it with Julianne? Yeah, just because I'm not going to go by myself at this point, and I don't know 
who else I would go with. So. It is a great theater experience. I'm excited. Just for because, it. like, you kind of feel the energy of everyone being like just happy and enjoying themselves. Also, Train Spotting Two comes out this this week. We'll I'll probably see Train Spotting Two or T Two. I think it's T Two Train Spotting. Yeah, and then that can lead into discussion about long gestating sequels, Absolutely. a la The Matrix and Blade Runner and a bunch of other stuff coming. Yeah, but I think people actually wanted Train Spotting Two like follow up, which I don't know if we really need. But now is it too late? These other ones, you know. Ewan McGregor's doing it. They're all doing it. So Ewan McGregor, hot streak. Uh, this is his year, man. <laughs> when we do our... Like, yeah, that John Le Carre movie from last year. He's just been oh, yeah. solid for a while now. Regardless if people pay attention to the movie. Yeah, uh, just like Jude Law, who I did not... Another hot take I had that was in, incorrect in the end. You know, Ewan McGregor actually paved the way for Jude Law when he was the Carmelengo and Angels and Demons. Mm. He put on the, the robes first. But we'll be talking about maybe Train Spying 2 if I see that. Maybe Power we'll... Rangers? I'm not. I'm not Reviews are actually Rangers. better than I thought. I, I, I will see it eventually, but I'm not going to see it this on opening weekend. I think I'll see it on a plane. Oh, plane movie. So plane are you Andy Greenwald now? I've actually been planning my <laughs> plane movies. I think I'm going to see Assassin's Creed on a plane. Do you get to choose? I, I have yes. not flown on a plane yeah, yeah. in like a long yeah, time. Yeah, whatever they have, you can pick whatever is there. I haven't, wait, I, I'll revise it. I haven't been on a flight that's long enough to give me a movie. Interesting. I usually just go to like Florida or something like that. They don't get any movies on that? I, the, not the planes out there. Who'd you fly with? Southwest? Yeah, Southwest. Uh, they're the only people that don't give you movies. Because ah. they're very <laughs> cheapest. Jesus. <laughs> By United. I guess that, that, that's on me then. No plane mm. movies for me. We'll probably talk Dave Chappelle briefly. I yes. Mean, it's going to be good. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to it. A lot, um, of, a lot of specials coming. Chris Rock. Yeah. Jerry Seinfeld. And if we get a chance, maybe we'll preview spring, summer movies. Yes. <laughs> Let's talk about Emma Watson coming back with the circle. Right. If there's not like another album drop eventful I mean, listen there should be Taylor some good Swift doesn't movies. come out or something Ugh. there should be some good rock movies coming out rock, rock albums records. coming out yeah Phoenix should be dropping one oh right um, Tool Gorillaz is gonna be yeah Tool which would be a long time since they released one I think like almost 10 years I'm probably not even gonna see Tool at Governance Ball that's okay I'm just gonna leave okay. leave really <laughs> they're, they're, they're not they're not for everybody even like right. rock fans aren't totally into them so but we'll be talking about a lot of stuff tweet us what you think we should talk about at Nostalgia Pod. Please subscribe on YouTube. Big help. Leave a comment on the YouTube video. Yeah, what give, you thought and everything. Give us some love. Because we love you too. Yeah. No fake love. Drake tell you about that. He's so corny. We out. All my days, I